Well, good morning. My name is Jennifer Potter Buff. I am an elder in the United Methodist tradition, but I serve as a hospital chaplain now. So I'm not often up uh, preaching sermons, but I'm glad to be with you all. I've been with you all before, but it's been a while. So today we're picking up in a series about women, the lineage of Jesus. And today we come to Mary, a young teenage girl who lived in a small village with no pedigree, no education, no special quality that should make her known to us, much less to half of the world's people over the last 2000 years. Mary shouldn't be in our story, our story here in 2021 in the middle of Dunedin, Florida, but God But God looked on her with favor and said, you, you're the one, you're the one who will help to tell my story, the story. Luke's gospel tells us that an angel by the name of Gabriel shows up to have a little chat with Mary. In my imagination, although Luke doesn't really tell us, this chat happens in the wee hours of the night, a groggy teen girl and a celestial being. And Mary doesn't really seem to be scared out of her mind, which I think is the first miracle in the story. And then Gabriel delivers shocking news. You are favored by God. You who should be insignificant in the history of the world. You are in fact about to bear Emmanuel, God with us. And Mary says, okay. Let's turn now to Luke's words, picking up from that part of the story. In those days, Mary set out with haste and went to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on me with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He brought down from the throne, he brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her own home. Let's pray. Spirit of the living God, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. But most of all, God, take our hearts and set them on fire. Amen. So friends, I have a confession. For most of my life, I've been unimpressed by the story of Mary. Sure, sure, we need her. She's unlikely, but chosen, that's great. She says yes, wow. But let's hurry along to the main event, right? Like, let's get to Jesus. But 
two years ago, I listened to a friend of mine preach about Mary in a way that changed my perspective. She asked that day, what else isn't in the story? What's not in the text? What else is Mary thinking, feeling, experiencing? You see, in Judaism, there's this long history of Midrash, which is just simply the art of reading scripture closely, asking good questions, and imagining what else might be happening. So let's engage in some holy Midrash today. Let's wonder what else is happening. Luke records for us at least some of Mary's words to the angel Gabriel. But I don't know about, about you, but for me, when, when someone tells me something and I know that my reaction is going to like, be paid attention to, there's this whole process of the things that I think before I open my mouth, if I'm lucky. Sometimes I just blurt it out, right? But there's this whole line of thinking for me. The ups, the downs, the in-betweens, the, the anger response, the kind response, the thing that I think might be kind, but I'm not really sure about. Who knows what happens for Mary? Maybe she blurts it out and, and Luke is kind and offers an edited response. We don't know. We don't know what else is happening for Mary in those in-between moments, between Gabriel's announcement that she will bear God's son and when Mary says, okay. I'm intrigued by all of the things that aren't there. But what catches my eye the most this year is what happens afterwards. Mary immediately goes to see Elizabeth. We don't really know anything about Mary and Elizabeth's relationship, but to me it reads as though they must be friends, as though they must know one another's hearts. I spend a lot of time driving back and forth between my home in Pinellas and my job in Tampa, and most afternoons you will find me on the phone with my close friends. Some days it's just chit-chat, but most of the time it's how I make sense of my world. Those conversations with my friends are the way that I make sense of the tragedy I experience at the hospital, the grief and the exhaustion of this pandemic, the toll of parenting, the difficulties of balancing marriage and work and parenting and faith and just getting to the grocery store. So I suspect that Mary took no time in getting to Elizabeth because she needed a friend. She needed a friend with whom to process because all that she's holding inside of her has to find its way out. She needs to talk. She needs to experience it. Because I suspect that it wasn't all just simple joy and elation that she feels at the angel's announcement. I wonder if Mary felt fear and doubt. I wonder if Mary felt anger and trepidation. The text speeds right along, but I wonder about what's happening in between. We find ourselves here at almost the end of Advent, the fourth Sunday. We should be almost ready for Jesus's arrival. The trees are trimmed, cookies have been baked, per presents, purchases, presents purchased, if you're lucky they're even wrapped. But if I'm honest, this Advent feels a little hard to me, really a, a lot hard. We've held so much over these last 22 months. 
Isolation, uncertainty, fear, loss, change. I don't know how it's been for you, but I feel like I keep catching these glimpses of normal or, or this new normal that everyone keeps talking about, whatever that means. But then I feel like I'm, I'm dragged back into the swirling chaos of the unknown. Will vaccines be approved for our little ones? Will this new variant be devastating? Will Florida have another surge? There's so much that we don't know. For me, so much anxiety and uncertainty. I've always loved Advent. I've loved the thrill of, of waiting and anticipating. But for me this year, it feels like there's, there's this weight that I hold. For me, it's hard to access all of the joy and the longing because there's so much held alongside of it. I think that sometimes the church has lost the access to all of our feeling words, right? I'm a, I'm a hospital chaplain, so I like my feeling words a lot. And so I wonder if Mary has something to teach us this year. I wonder if she might deeply and fully understand this mixture of joy and grief, laughter and weeping, delight and anxiety. I wonder if we might meet Mary here in the messy in between. What are you holding together this Advent season? Or maybe the way to ask the question is, what are you really not at all holding together? What weighs on you? What griefs have you witnessed? What aren't you able to do this year? And what is sparking hope and joy for you? And maybe what sits somewhere in the foggy in-between I told you I'm a hospital chaplain and I like my feelings. Really, my whole job is feelings and emotions. It's all I do all day long is talk to people about their feelings. So we're going to talk about our feelings today. My husband is also a pastor and he told me that you all wouldn't like this, but I'm going to lean on your hospitality since I'm a guest among you. And we're going to spend a little bit of time digging in. We're going to do a little bit of an exercise this morning. Hopefully you all have those index cards. Yes. If not, I'm sure Pastor Jason will go grab some. Chris is going to offer a little bit of music so that you're not in total silence. But I want you to settle in. I'm going to help you breathe just a little bit before we access all of our feelings. This is called the physiological sigh, what we're going to do together. One of the hospital psychologists taught me this, and it's a handy tool. So I'm going to invite you to breathe in through your nose. And when you feel like you're about full, take another breath. So it'll be... And then you're going to release through your mouth. And there should be a nice little like whoosh with it. It's a little noisy. It's a little messy. It's kind of how life is. And as you start breathing, I invite you to leave those feet on the floor. Kind of bring your shoulders back a little bit. Let's breathe for a moment together.
as you're ready, take that index card and I want you to draw a line down the front of it. Now I know some of you think that you're clever and you're gonna use the front and the back. Don't use the back yet, I have plans for it. So on the front, just draw a line down the center. On the left-hand side of the card, I want you to name some of the difficult things that you're carrying right now. Maybe it's grief, loss, anxiety. I don't know what the word might be for you. What's heavy? What's keeping you from joy? What's keeping you weighed down? You can use words, phrases, scripture references, song lyrics. You can draw a picture. Whatever helps you to name it. Don't worry, the cards are only for you. No one's going to look at them. And I know some of you are thinking, I don't want to write this down. Tough, write it down. When you're ready, I want you to move over to the right-hand side of the card. And I want you to think about what joys, what hopes you might be holding. Or maybe for you, it's just a, an echo of scripture. It's a promise of God's goodness and faithfulness. Maybe all you can do is say, I heard this once and I hope it's true. And that's all right too. Again, maybe for you, it's a song lyric or an image. I'm also thinking that if I was sitting in your seat not having heard this before, I would be breaking the rules and writing, writing things that are kind of in between spaces. And so if for you, you feel an emotion that doesn't neatly fit into one of the categories, write it along the line. 
break the rules. Luke tells us that Mary's response to seeing her friend is to praise God. In fact, the words that she says, we call the Magnificat. They become one of the earliest hymns in the church. It's a song. Mary sings. When we read those words carefully, we'll hear echoes of the Psalms, echoes of Isaiah's prophetic words, echoes of a song sung by another unlikely mother, a mother named Hannah. There's echoes in Mary's words of truths about God, but it is in fact a new song, a new song for this mother, for this woman who didn't belong. And I wonder what new songs God might be inviting us to sing. Before we move, though, I want to say that I think sometimes in the church, we do a bad job talking about how all of our emotions fit together, right? I think that there's this tendency to only talk about the good things and to kind of brush the difficult things underneath the carpet. But when we read scripture, we have lots of examples of how we bring our whole selves to God, right? There's Psalms about being so angry that you want to take your enemy's baby and bash their heads against the rock. Scripture does not shy away from difficult emotions. So I want you to hear me say clearly, I want you to hear God say clearly, all of you belongs right here. All of your messy pieces, all of your griefs and sorrows and disappointments, all of your joys and hopes and longings, all of your doubts, all of the messy in-between middle spaces, all of it belongs right here with God. All of it. Even if it's ugly, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult to put into words, 
So Mary does this thing. She sings this new song. She draws on the history of her people. She draws on what she knows. There's a songwriter named Liz Weiss who about two years ago took the words uh, to Away in the Manger and rewrote them. Now, if you've ever listened carefully to the traditional words of Away in the Manger, they talk about how baby Jesus is lying in a cradle, not crying. Obviously, that person had never met a newborn. So Liz took the words of the traditional song and she rewrote it. She took echoes of scripture, echoes of what she knew about God. She took echoes of her own pain. At 19, she got so sick that she had to go on dialysis for three years, and she had a a kidney transplant at the age of 22. If you've never known anybody on dialysis, it is not fun. It is hard and painful. She talks about how she used that part of her life to access songwriting. So I want you to see two of the verses that she rewrote. Away from the manger, they ran for their lives. The crying boy Jesus, a son they must hide. A dream came to Joseph, they fled in the night. And they ran, and they ran, and they ran. Stay near me, Lord Jesus, when danger is nigh, and keep us from Herod's and all of their lies. I love the Lord Jesus, the refugee king. And we sing, and we sing, and we sing. I wanted you to see Liz's example because I think it helps paint for us this idea of how God enters into our pain and our suffering and how we're able to access all of what we feel. How we can name it and how God can enter into that space with us. Those feelings and emotions that don't always make it to the page, that don't always make it to how we talk to one another in church but that inform our lives and our experiences. So I'm going to ask you now to step out of what might be your kind of comfort space. I want you to turn that index card over. And I want to invite you to write a stanza, a few lines of a new song, thinking about the words that you read on, wrote on the front. Where is God meeting you in this season? How might God take both the grief and the joy the anxiety and the hope and weave it together into something that feels true and honest. It might not be easy. It might not be a song that's totally filled with hope. I don't think that God just waves a magic wand and eases our pains. But how might God use both sides of that index card to help you write a new song? And I know some of you are thinking, look, I'm not a writer. I'm not a poet. This feels gross. That's fine. But God, right? If Mary didn't belong there, but God, you might say, I'm not a writer, but God. So write a few lines. What new song might God help you to write that honors all of what you hold in this season?
So here's my invitation to you this week. Take this index card with you and take one more step of discomfort and call a friend. Call Pastor Jason. If you're like me, you'll call Jenny and talk about it. Tell your friend, hey, this weird chaplain came to church on Sunday and made me think about my feelings. And I want to talk about how great life is. I want to talk about how hard life is. Or I want to talk about how life just feels really confusing and kind of in this weird in-between space right now. Can we talk? Help me make sense of it. Will you be my Elizabeth? Will you help me understand how God might be calling me to be part of the gospel story right now? Friends, God sees all of it. God sees you and knows you and loves you. And I think God is inviting us in these last days of Advent to come and work out what we're holding, to bring it into, into the light so that God might transform our pain, spur us into joy, love us into wholeness, and wrap us up into the story of salvation. Let's pray together. Holy One, we come to you as we are, messy, in between, joyous, sorrowful, confused, hopeful, all the messiness of human life, God. And we trust that somehow you see us and that you love us and that you want us to be part of your kingdom, part of telling your story. And so, God, we're grateful that you see us just as we are with all of the pain, all of the longing. And we pray, God, that you would help us to take that step into your story. We pray that we would be able to give a resounding yes alongside of Mary's yes, knowing that it's okay if there's spaces in between. And God, I pray most of all this week that we might be reminded again of your deep and unfailing love for us, your lowly servants. We pray these things in the name of Emmanuel, God with us. Amen.